to be the World Wrestling Federation Champion. There is no parallel, no higher accolade in the sport. To be champion is the dream of every competitor who's ever entered the squared circle. From collegiate champions to former gridiron greats, from second generation superstars with championship pedigree to first year rookies with youthful aspirations, from Olympic heroes to the master of the octagon, from a renegade with a cold-blooded identity to a man who would willingly exchange three personas for one with a champion's label. Tonight, 30 men who dare to dream, 30 battle-scarred warriors who have spilled blood, sweat, and endured the agonies, who have labored in the cold shadows for that one precious chance to seize the championship spotlight, are on a collision course with destiny. Tonight, 30 men will batter each other, sacrifice their bodies, betray friendships, embrace the soulless ally that is desperation. To the victor go the spoils. To the winner, a once-in-a-lifetime chance to become the next heir apparent. To the throne. And now, 1-800-COLLECT presents the 1998 WWF Royal Rumble. Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, here we are. For the first time in a long time, we're actually recording a week from when we did the last show. So this is pretty amazing. It's been four days. I think it's been... This is the quickest turnaround we've ever had since about uh, October, at least, at at the very earliest. Yes. So... It's good to see you, my friend. I've Absolutely. got a lot more free time, unfortunately, for circumstances beyond my control, so we can talk wrestling a little bit more often, and uh, it's good to see you. How are you? I'm good. Everything going good with you? Yes, it's going good. We watched the Rumble together last week. We did. What were your thoughts about the Rumble? It was. It had, it had its high points. It had its low points. Um, it got a little stale and stagnant there for a little bit during the Rumble match both male and female for me, but, you know, not too bad. Uh, I kind of liked the only one person eliminating one at a time because every guy or gal that plays WWE and does the Royal Rumble, they do the same shit. We have done it. Come on. So it's kind of cool to live that moment, but at the same time, don't be fucking Brock Lesnar and throw out half the damn Rumble participants and ruin it for everyone else. I thought it was a cool segment, yeah. I, but I enjoyed it after he was eliminated. That's when, to me, the Rumble actually really kind of started. Yes. I thought it was really divided into those two sections, and I thought that the second half of the Rumble was one of the better ones that I've ever seen, because yeah. when you got down to like the last six people or so, I really didn't know who was going to win. Like There were people in there that you could each see them winning. Pretty much. What's the thing? Edge's return, and Edge ended up being in the final four, and I was like... The final three. The final three, yeah. And I was like, damn, he stands a serious chance of winning this thing, which would have been It reminds me of Mr. Perfect in 2002 when he was in the last three as well. Yes. Yeah, he entered at number 21, made his return. His wife had a good rumble run in the women's 
uh, Rumble as well with a cracked skull. I was going to say, even gushing blood out of the back of her head. Bianca Belair was exchanging strikes with Beth Phoenix in the corner, and Beth Phoenix's head snapped back and hit the turnbuckle post. And she was going to have a long run in the Rumble, so as she stayed in the match, they couldn't give her anything for her head because she had to stay in the match. She was yeah. due for a spot towards the end of the match. With Santino Morella, none, nonetheless. Yes, that's what she was being saved for. Yes. Uh, but, no, it was good camera work around that. You could only tell in certain spots, but she would be up on her feet for a good minute and a half, two minutes, and then about 30 seconds, you know, she'd be down in a corner somewhere, and doctors would be, you know, patting her head with towels and communicating with her, hey, you good? You sure? You still okay? I mean, you see Charlotte win the Rumble with Beth's blood. Like, her blood is all over her. <laughs> yes. And so, it's uh, it was... It was a bad, bad headshot. Well, and as you know from the Ric Flair school of blading, blonde hair shows blood a lot better than dark color hair. It does. You mentioned good camera work. I'll mention some bad camera work. So Edge returning after all oh. this time. He comes to the ring. Oh. And he runs towards Dolph Ziggler, who runs towards him. What do you think's going to happen there, Patrick? His first spear back in nine years. Well, I mean... Out, excluding that one he did on like Talk is Jericho yeah, or whatever it was. But I still, forget. his first. Miz TV. His first real, and we panned to the audience. They love these crowd reaction shots. And look, sometimes it's called for, okay? Like at the end of the Undertaker streak at WrestleMania 30, getting that guy with that those big eyes, and yeah, that that's an iconic crowd cutaway shot, okay? All right. But the match was over. There was nothing more to see in the ring. When you interrupt the match to go to crowd reaction shots, you're missing something. Yes. And in this case, you're missing something very, very important, which Dolph Ziggler criticized on Twitter after the Rumble and got many, many likes and retweets. One of the... I don't like Dolph Ziggler, but I was glad that he spoke up about what director cuts away from that in, you know, in the middle of a return. So, And now it looks like Edge is set up for a program with Randy Orton for WrestleMania. So his first singles match back going to be at WrestleMania in Tampa. See, I I would love to see him actually do a little more than just WrestleMania in Tampa. Also, the program with, with Randy Orton, I understand first serious match back, put him in there with somebody that he knows, that he can trust, that he can really, you know, someone who can take care of him. Randy's a workhorse. Randy's been very well, solid. Well, they know each other. Randy's been very solid and, uh, and safe with most everyone. He's a very safe wrestler. Yes. So I get it. Uh, kind of shake those cobwebs loose. I would have rather seen Edge versus AJ Styles. That's but. where I was heading. I would have loved to have saw that match at WrestleMania, which would I think would have been headlining the show, even without a title or anything. That would that match would have stole the show. It sounds like Edge is going to stick around for a while, even with a limited schedule so rumors, there's still potential to see an AJ Styles and Edge match rumors are 3 million a year for guaranteed 3 years so that's a that's that's a damn good payoff well which would put him in his upper 40s and with a long layoff i just i wonder i'm curious to see how this holds up and how he holds up yeah after such a long layoff Oh, we don't, don't, if he's like me, you get in the ring, you say yes to anything and not think, you know, I'll think about the consequences later. And well, he said yes to some chair shots to the back on raw to set up this program, which is pretty bold, I think. And so, uh, don't, 
don't be stupid and don't get hurt. <laughs> I mean, yeah. don't, don't think of the serious consequences that you may have regarding the significant injury that you have sustained. It does make me think, though, these WWE doctors, though, it's when it's convenient for the company, when they want someone back. Oh, oh it's magic. It's yeah. just magic. Yeah. Oh, we can just magically bring you back. Hogan, t- I mean, he keeps tweeting these fucking pictures of him jacked. Oh, I mean, dude, he is ripped. He's the 80s Hogan ripped. And he's talking about he just had his seventh, like, fifth or seventh back surgery or some shit like that. He's back in the gym. He's lifting weights. And he keeps saying, I'm good for April. Makes me think something's going to happen with Hogan. I mean, we've got... Who knows? It's in Tampa, Florida as well, nonetheless in his backyard brother he yeah. can ride in in his harley but no man injuries you know who the thought who in the hell would have thought that hogan could possibly be cleared to step back in the ring or sting for that matter yeah. i mean uh, there's a lot of guys we're gonna let flair in there next what the hell you know? it's just whatever's convenient yeah it just seems to be whatever's convenient we'll let these guys go out there i mean christian page i mean there's wrestlers out there that Kurt Angle will bring him back. I mean, yeah, I mean, for some ungodly reason, it was great for Daniel Bryan to get released. Jason and, Jordan's sitting backstage, ready. Yeah. For Tyson Kidd, let's bring them all back. They can yeah. all. Are you paralyzed? No. Then get out there. It seems like it just seems very selective. I'm sure there's a highly sophisticated process. I'm not a medical doctor, obviously, but it just seems when it's convenient. That highly sophisticated process is. I'm getting my ass kicked. I need ratings. Yes, and we're having shakeups at the executive level. Our stock is plummeting. We need something. Let's go to the past. Let's open, yeah. go to the well. When all else fails, go to your bank. Go to your toy box. And Oh, I've got an edge in here. Oh, okay. Well, we'll pay him a bunch of money and bring him back. Yeah, exactly. Go back to what has hung with you thus far. Yeah. And so... Yeah, I mentioned the stock price just briefly. George Barrios and Michelle Wilson, co-presidents of the WWE, they're often on these conference calls, these earnings reports, which there's another one due, I believe, next week uh, as to their fourth quarter earnings from last year. In Barrios's case, he's been with the company a very long time. I'm not sure how long Michelle Wilson's been there. But these guys are in pictures with Vince and Stephanie and Triple H. These were... Very, very high-ranking officials within that company, and yes. and they have both departed and are expected to receive severance packages upwards in the seven figures, but it's all due to the declining stock. The stock we looked at it one year ago from the day we're recording, it's split nearly in half. It was near $90 last year, and today it's about 45 So that is some plummet. Which, but, yeah, that's insane to think that it has dropped that much in 12 months. But you have to think, though, going back a year ago, they knew that these TV rights deals were getting announced. They turned out to be very, very lucrative TV deals. Yeah. Now those are in place. Now there's, how do you generate new revenue? How do you keep this thing rolling forward? And it seems like there was a rift between Vince and Michelle and George about how to do that. And that's kind of the rumor mill about why they departed. 
And Vince is a little distracted. His football league starts next week, so uh, there, there's a lot going on with yeah, Vince McMahon. At but the you moment. know, I haven't really heard much about it. So. I know. You won't hear much about it, but during the Super Bowl, there might be an XFL commercial. And I only say that because Fox is showing one of the, the first week's games. So really? for them not to promote, hey, there's still football next week would be very strange. So That would be kind of stupid on their part. Yes, yeah. I agree. So the XFL uh, set to debut across four premier networks, ESPN, Fox, ABC, and one other, which I'm forgetting, FS1. So four networks, I think, are covering this thing, which is quite tremendous, quite different than his original deal with NBC and Spike TV and those original partners. So we'll see how that that goes. Will they make it through a season? I think they will. Do you think so? I think they will make it through a season. I think he's committed enough money. He's paying those players so little (laughs) that I think that there's... Really no way for it to fail because Vince isn't going to allow it to fail after one season. Now, after two seasons, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> because he just wants to top what he did the last time. Well, fair enough. Um, I think, however, depending on the rules and the way in which things are being regulated now, are we going to get any excitement left over from the original XFL? Or is this all random... NFL just with a different logo. No, they are changing some things about the game, but they are they, it is going to be a safer game than than the NFL. Like they're changing the way kickoffs are done. See, I used to love that scramble for the uh, who was deciding to get the ball. Yeah, right they're out they're, the they're not doing that. They're just tossing a coin now. But the game's going to be sped up. These games they're hoping to get in in two and a half hours or so, and. The running clock, there's no extra points. You Well, the extra points are you have to run plays and you can get like one point or two points or like four points or something. There's a lot of rule differences. It's going to take... We'll see. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see what happens with the XFL if this thing catches on. I hope it does. I really genuinely hope it does. Because you want football all year. I do. Never stop. I do. I want football all year. And I want me some XFL. So, uh, we'll see. Going forward, we have a wellness violation. Uh, None other than Andrade has apparently been on meth. I mean, because his ass ain't hitting the steroids. Look at his body. Well, they don't disclose what wellness violations are for, so that's purely speculation on your part. (laughs) It is. Um, It is. It was a joke. He was suspended. He worked raw, so I imagine they suspended. It's always very convenient when they... It's convenient how they clear people to return. It's also convenient when they decide to suspend people. It's like, hey, you're going to work a match tomorrow night, then we'll suspend you. And also the timing of it. Turns out his 30 days will be up one day before their next show in Saudi Arabia. So he will be clear. He will not miss a pay-per-view. Go figure. And he's also engaged to someone quite powerful on the roster as far as Charlotte Flair, the winner of the female Royal Rumble. So it's not exactly like they're going to be any harsher than that. And these wellness violations, it's amazing, Patrick, since they've started these in 2008 or whenever it was, that no one's ever gotten the three strikes and you're out. Nobody. Never. 
there there have been two strikes. Like Randy Orton has been on two strikes now for several years. No one's ever gotten that third strike. Even Jeff Hardy. And then, well, some people are exempt. Like Brock Lesnar doesn't get tested. You know why? Because he's considered part-time. Part-timers aren't subjected to drug tests. Edge. Considered part-time. Considered part-time probably showed up looking pretty ripped for a... He uh, was pretty jacked. I mean, yeah. Randy Orton even pointed out his abs. I'm not saying Edge is up to anything nefarious. I'm just saying part-timers aren't subjected to it. And then you get into the weird weirdness of how they do the drug testing like we talked about the colognes failed drug test a few weeks ago turns out his side of the story was they wanted him to fly from puerto rico to go to a doctor in florida to take the drug test that's just insane why couldn't he go to a doctor in puerto rico right he said guys i can't do that today they said well if you can't do it today we're gonna flunk your drug test so you can flunk it for shit like that so who knows, man? And, and and the stuff with Eva Marie and the prescriptions and, oh, we didn't have your prescription for Adderall or whatever. You, that's a violation. See you in 30 days. Yeah. It's very random. There's not... There is a policy on their corporate page, but even then, there's some gray area where you don't know. It's not like they pay... They don't pay USADA, which is the drug testing agency that monitors UFC, Olympics any kind of major sporting thing they are an agency that's all they do that's not what wwe does no they just do it however they do i'm not exactly sure so yeah andrade gonna miss 30 days and that means his belt's off tv because he didn't drop his belt on monday which is also something that usually happens to wellness violations is you're stripped you're either stripped or they make you you job and drop it and then suspend you the next night. The Usos kept the title, the tag titles for their 30 days, though. That's true. So there's been a change in... It just depends, depends on, on who, who you are. And who you know. Now, on a high note... Actually, no, let's end on a high note. So well, we'll, we've also... We skimmed over another big return at the Rumble... Santino Morella. Santino Morella. MVP. And MVP, who also had a match on Raw, which he claims is his final match against Rey Mysterio. And so. he's moving backstage from the rumor mill. Yeah, so. to be an agent. He was yeah. featured on one of those episodes on Viceland, uh, yes. The Wrestlers. Yes. And uh, talking I actually about think retirement. a couple, believe it or not. Yeah, he was a, he's a common uh, interview subject. Talking about how he kept tearing... Uh, things in his knee and that he was it was basically having to sell his house yeah it was basically he's yeah he was down to almost nothing and so you know i I think it's great for him to finally get back to somewhat of a backstage role um i just think i think wwe is his home i don't think he would have he would not have felt he would not have been a good fit for an AEW or something along those lines. So I, I think WWE is a good spot for him for a backstage role. Uh, Santino Morella or Santina um, was at the Rumble, and Beth Phoenix, bloody head and all, had to do, have a stare down do from this. the Miss WrestleMania contest. Yes, yes, yes from many years ago yes what a reference and then santino slash santina eliminated him slash herself what an honor to be the first man in a in the female royal rumble it's true he will go down in history he's like china he's always going to be remembered as the first that's right 
Congratulations. Congratulations, yes. Uh, is this a back... Was that a one-off? Or is this a back for, like, I'm a backstage oh, I, role now? Or is I, this... I think that was a one-off. He has... He's part of the hosting panel on a show in Canada called Aftermath, which reviews Raw. He's on there with Jimmy Corderas, and mm. so he's got a steady gig. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't need it yeah. per se. Well, uh, we'll hit the uh, the valley and end on a good peak here. Uh, Van Hammer, you all know him. WCW's Van Hammer. <laughs> yes, uh, metal, heavy metal. Yeah, Van Hammer, the guy that. Wore a shirt, a fishnet shirt, with his nipple cut out so you yes. could see his nipple ring Yes, in the flock. Um, Van Hammer. And then he was a hippie. Yes. He had many versions of Van Hammer, though he was always Van Hammer. Yes. Uh, in Florida, he was driving uh, while intoxicated. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah, this comes from the Palm Beach Post. Former WCW wrestler Mark Van Hammer Hildreth was arrested for DUI after speeding and hitting a five-year-old boy with his vehicle. The boy was riding a bicycle that still had training wheels. He was thrown onto the car's hood and fell off before Van Hammer drove away from the scene. He's also been charged with leaving the scene of an injury crash. The boy was riding bikes with his father just before 3 o'clock. He rode in front of Van Hammer's 2014 Mercedes-Benz S550. How does Van Hammer have a Mercedes-Benz from 2014? I do not know. He's selling drugs, probably. Who knows? But he got hit by the front left corner. When witnesses ran over to help, Van Hammer jumped out, said the kid jumped right out in front of me before getting in his car and driving away. Two people followed him and alerted the police to his whereabouts. He's had a history with DUI. He was arrested in 2004 in Georgia for the same thing. And there you go. He refused a field test and a breathalyzer, so he'll probably get off... Of the DUI charge. That's how you beat them. Is to refuse them? The advice I've pretty much heard from everybody is that if you are pulled over for a DUI and you have been drinking, whether you think you are drunk or not, just refuse it. You will go to jail. But if you fail the breathalyzer, you're going to jail anyway. You go to jail, by the time they finally draw your blood, if they ever if they, they have to get like a court order sometimes to do that, depending on what state you're in. By the time they do that, your blood alcohol content might have gone down enough to save your ass, basically. And, yeah, you're still going to have to go to court. You're still going to have to pay a bunch of money for a lawyer. But you're going to end up beating the charge. And so, if there's ever a question, you just you just have to say, I'm going to jail tonight. I mean, there's there's no way around it, so... I do think he'll be able to beat the DUI charge, but as far as leaving the scene, yeah, he's he's probably going to go down for that. That's pretty obvious that he left the scene of an accident. So, yeah. The injuries are not life-threatening. He's in stable condition and uh he had internal injuries and road rash. So, it could have been a lot worse. Could have been facing involuntary manslaughter charges. So, we just hope the kid makes full recovery and is okay. Uh, it's very sad. It is sad, especially when there's so many... If you can afford a 2014 Mercedes-Benz, you can probably afford an Uber or a taxi ride home. Yeah. And... Why are you drunk during the middle of the day is also... <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was 3 p.m. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Let's, you know... That's a much more serious part of the conversation. You've got a problem, yeah. yeah. You've got a real problem. Yeah. So, um, we hope 
that the little five-year-old gets uh, gets better and hopefully he'll be able to ride a bike again because that would scare the shit out of me from ever riding a bike again. Yeah. Uh, you say he's going to get off possibly with the DUI, but leaving the scene of an accident and a hit and run is uh, that's pretty serious. That's not that's that's jail time serious. I, oh yeah, I mean they said his bail to one hundred twenty five thousand dollars. So, and he might be put on house arrest until the trial. So, uh, he's not going to get to drive anywhere anytime soon. I I don't have anything else more to say about oh, it. Oh yeah, awful stuff. It's terrible. All right, like I said, we're gonna end on a high note. Do you remember Sean Mooney? Yes, he's actually been featured on the WWE Network a couple times, and he's a part of that Randy Savage DVD set that you got me. Yes, yes, Sean Mooney, the one and only Sean Mooney. He's like a TV newsman in Kansas or somewhere, Well, he is now a TV wrestling newsman for the NWA. Well, it's an easy schedule. You fly in a couple days, knock it out, go back. Exactly. I th- th- I was ecstatic to see this pop up. I was blown away. You would have thought Savage had come back from the dead. I don't know why, but I love Sean Mooney just like everybody. Just like everybody else loves Sean Mooney. Well, he was the number two backstage interviewer to Mean Gene during the boom period, basically, of the WWE. I mean, well, you could say Lord Alfred might have been number two and Sean Mooney number three. But Sean Mooney, yeah, a very integral part of the WWF operation in the early 90s and late 80s. And he hosts a podcast. He's still actively... He still actively follows wrestling. He never yeah. quit following wrestling. And again, it's it's one of those cases where why didn't the WWE use him more? I mean, right. they have used him a little bit, so I'm right. not totally saying they've they've cut him out. But for like these retrospectives about Mean Gene and stuff, why not ask Sean Mooney? Why not ask people that were that were around uh, or any of these documentaries? Ah, uh, uh, too much work. We'll just uh, talk to Brooklyn Brawler because he's here already. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, Sean Mooney going to be a part of the NWA tapings. That's pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, congrats to Sean Mooney, fellow podcaster. It was your pick this week, and you decided to... In in lieu of last weekend's Royal Rumble, I thought, well, why not? And so we went to Royal Rumble 1998 to see one man, one man with a price on his head, could he make it through 30 others? Could he make it through? Well, 20? he wasn't entering at number one. So. Could he make it through 29 others? Yeah, 29 so. others. Uh, actually, 28 others, because he would be one of them. So he only had 28 people he had. Yeah, and then there was someone that just didn't show up. Yeah, so uh, number 22 in the Rumble, we'll never know. And there's really no <laughs> explanation for it other than they just didn't have the roster for it i don't know they missed their cue they didn't have their shoes on no boots what the fuck just i mean waller could have stood up from the table and been number 22 oh that'd been great double team up with honky tonk man for a little while cousins this is the 1998 royal rumble from san jose california at the san jose arena in front of 18,542 fans 
when the tide was starting to turn in the Monday Night Wars, the WWF was starting to come back to life after uh, getting their ass kicked for the last couple of years by WCW. This rumble, this poster, very iconic, is the Hellraiser poster, I like to call it, because it's Austin's bald head, his earring, his gold chain, and one logo for the rumble nailed to the back of his head because he's a marked man patrick he is because going into this rumble uh he's pretty much the only person you expect to win and i don't want to spoil it patrick but turns out that's correct but everybody's out for stone cold steve austin everyone wants him gone so i lost my first part of my notes for this including the opening video and the first match but i can i can remember what i saw so we open with a David Sahadi joint, the black and white video about what it means to be champion, being the best, unrivaled in the sport, Patrick. And we have sound bites from all these different wrestlers, and we see their poses and blood, sweat, and tears, Patrick. It's all about this, winning the Royal Rumble to then probably lose at WrestleMania. <laughs> well, in, in recent years, it's been to win the Rumble and lose at WrestleMania. But back in the day, you'd win this and you'd probably win at WrestleMania, Seems like the last few years, though, doesn't mean anything uh, as far as your chances going forward. It's not like Money in the Bank, where it seems like if you win that, you're guaranteed a title. The Rumble doesn't work that way anymore. Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler are on commentary, and they mention that Mike Tyson is here tonight just watching. And we get a shot of Mike Tyson up in the skybox. Uh, going crazy. It's WWF, baby! We also see a sign where it says that Tyson killed Tupac, which is not true. Tupac was shot after a Mike Tyson fight, but I don't believe Mike Tyson actually killed Tupac Shakur. So we get our opening match, which I really enjoyed, uh, even though there was very little wrestling done in this match. It was mostly clotheslines. It's the artist formerly known as Goldust with Luna Vachon, which we get a recap of how he became this creature, this... Uh, disillusioned gold dust, this sad gold dust, because, you see, he was in a feud with Brian Pillman over Marlena, and Brian Pillman passed away. And, see, gold dust was playing a baby face then. Yes. So, to bring him back, well, we can't bring him back as a face. We have to explain what, what happened with Marlena here. So, he rejects Marlena, even though he should have, really, uh, and stayed babyface. Instead, he rejects Marlena. That makes him the bad guy for some reason. Then he joins up with Luna, and then he just goes crazy with his paint. This is a Vince Russo uh, masterpiece. Here. Why? Why do you think that he should have went ahead and rejected Marlena? I'm just curious. Because Marlena was involved with another man. Oh. I know it was against her will. Like she was. Brian Pillman won her in a match, basically. Right. But still, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm I, don't, I don't really have hey, a good I'm reason. just trying to figure out your logic, brother. I don't think there was any reason to turn Goldust into a heel. They had plenty of heels on the roster, as it was. So, why can't Goldust just be Goldust and be a face and be fun? This was Vince Russo's idea. Uh, Russo would revisit this artist formerly known as Gimmick in WCW with the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea. So yeah. this is an idea he came back to later on. But this had no... It's a lot better than Seven. 
Yes, uh, another uh, great idea. Uh, that was actually Dustin's idea, though, from what I recall, is that he actually wanted to be seven, and it's the WCW censorship people at Turner that shut it down because it was too creepy. It looked like he was a child molester or something. Really? I always thought he didn't want to do it. No, he wanted to be seven. That was his creation, I think. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure I'm getting this right. It was either Black Rain or Seven. One of those was definitely all Dustin's, and I'm pretty sure it was Seven was Hmm. what he wanted to do. He is going to take on the Mastodon, Vader. You know why? For reasons. Actually, they have a very slight reason for this, and it's at Survivor Series. If you remember, it was Team USA versus Team Canada. Yes. And Goldust, for whatever reason, wouldn't let Vader tag him in. And that is the reason for their match here in January. <laughs> that's the that's the explained reason for it. Now, these two go back and forth with some clotheslines. Dustin does a lot of selling for Vader's clotheslines. At one point, gets turned inside out. Tries a sunset flip. Vader sits down on him. Vader goes for a Vader bomb, but Luna distracts the ref so that Goldust can low blow him. So he saves him from a Vader bomb. So Luna saves him from a Vader bomb. Doesn't matter. He gets a Vader bomb later on, this time with Luna riding his back, which was awesome, which was the whole purpose of this match, was to see Luna ride Big Van Vader, Leon White, through the air. Like, Oh, dude, she face-planted the hell uh, out of her head. Oh, yeah, she had a rough landing, but the visual of her flying it was quite hilarious. It was really cool, which... Yeah. Didn't Luna have a similar spot at WrestleMania, I feel like? On someone's back. I feel like this was done before or after. Was it? Wasn't it like Edge fighting for Sable or something, and she rode Sable or she rode she rode uh, Edge doing something? I don't know. I feel like they. That, but the, yeah, that was Highway to Hell. That was no, Highway that to was hell. different. I don't know. I, I feel like they've done this spot before, or even back with her time with Bam Bam Bigelow. I feel like she's done this exact same spot before. Yes. I just can't remember. But it looked really cool with Vader here. It's weird that they gave Vader the win here, even though Goldust had the better run in the Rumble later on tonight. And, I mean, both of these guys were nearing the end of their WWF run, so I guess they didn't really care who won. It was weird to see Vader get a win in 1998 because he was quickly losing favor. I mean, he had been losing favor. He had been stuck in mid-card hell since 96, so... uh, yeah, he was ready to get back to Japan, make some money. He came in. Oh, yeah. He came in, and he owned Gorilla Monsoon's ass. And he just, man, he was this massive dude, and we put him with Sean. Sean had one fucking problem with him, and then he was That's never it. looked yeah. at as being someone in a high-ranking role. Even though the crowd reacted huge for this guy. Dude, he had awesome theme Vader. song. Yes. A good big man, one of the best big men ever, and yeah, just the company just would not give him the time of day. At a time when they were desperate to build stars, and it's like, you have a star that could be in the making here. Right there. And you could have given him a mouthpiece if you, like, I mean, Harley Race and WCW was a wonderful pairing for him as far as a mouthpiece, but here you have Jim Cornette doing this NWA invasion. Fuck that shit, man. Put him with Vader, man. Like, give him... Wait a minute now. Don't fuck the NWO. Oh, whatever. God, one of the worst. I enjoyed it. Of course you did. I did. I think, though, however, it would have been cool to put Vader with him. 
That would have made zero sense, though. Why not? The way the NWA invasion was treated, those guys were jokes. So he would have been an even bigger joke if he was with them. I don't even know a way you could do an NWA invasion in 1997 and 98 when the guys that you would need to do it with are in WCW, like Lex Luger, Ric Flair, like Dusty Rhodes. If you used actual stars of the NWA, who would be older, of course, but I mean, they brought in the Rock and Roll Express, so they obviously weren't afraid of putting older stars out there. But you can't just bring in... Jeff Jarrett and say, oh, he's an NWA guy. Oh, really? The guy, the cowboy guy from a few years ago? (laughs) No. No, sir. (laughs) That is Double J. So, I I don't know how this could have worked. And and presenting Dan Severn, okay. Why not? That just doesn't... Nothing about that screams NWA. That says ultimate fighting (laughs) is what that says. I mean... Yeah, and they never got around to their Ken Shamrock, Dan Severn match, dumbasses. Stone Cold arrives in his Stone Cold pickup truck, which would be given away later this evening. That's right, a Silverado fifteen hundred Z seventy one. Michael Cole tries to interview him, and Austin tosses him the keys, which Cole can't catch, and says, "Hey, don't scratch it or get your ass whipped." So he thought Michael Cole was the valet parking guy. The Godwins are the first to go looking for Austin. They don't find him. Nope. Here he has arrived in the Stone Cold pickup truck. He is one of the 30 participants in tonight's Royal Rumble match. And we're going to attempt to get a word with Mr. Austin about tonight's match. Mr. Austin, what do you think are your... I got nothing to say to you. Just park my damn truck, and if you scratch it, you're going to get your ass whipped. Well, Mr. Austin, what about... Mr. Austin, apparently uh, heading back to the locker room area... He is in the Royal Rumble match. He is in the San Jose Arena tonight. He is a marked man, however. 29 other participants are going to try to get their hands on Stone Where Cold. Where the hell did Austin uh, go? Uh, well, I, I, I'm not, I'm Where's not sure he just talking to I, him? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Sonny is the guest ref for the next match, as she has nothing to do in this company at the moment. That'll change at WrestleMania. It's a minis match between Max Mini, Mosaic, and Nova taking on Battalion, El Torito, not the El Torito of recent memory and then tarantula and the minis well this crowd was not into the minis nova and tarantula start the match nova does a spinning head scissors to tarantula not nova from ecw by the way nova tags in max mini to face battalion he does some flying arm drags that sends battalion out of the ring the crowd is just dead for this match torito press slams mosaic to no reaction he does it again to try to get a reaction still nothing Boring chance. Torito tries a powerbomb to Nova, but Nova counters it with a head scissors. Mike Tyson is the only person enjoying this match. He loves seeing little people fight. Mosaic and Battalion have a nice exchange with a Hurricane Rana. Then Max Mini runs into a big boot from Tarantula. Max Mini hits a flying Hurricane Rana to Tarantula. Mini gives chase to Tarantula on the ramp. He gets booted in the back of the head when he gets back in the ring. Ouch. Mini then uses Sonny as a prop to drop kick all the heels. Mosaic hits a tope con hilo to Battalion. Torito hits a plancha, a corkscrew for Max Mini. Tarantula hits a tope. Nova hits an acai moonsault. Mini hooks Torito with a cradle after a flying hurricane rana and arm drags and gets the win. Max Mini with the big win in this six-man mini lucha tag match, which in WCW where the play-by-play commentator like Mike Tanay might have had a chance at getting over. 
But the fact is, the minis were featured on WWF programming at this time, but they were often uh, joke characters. Yeah. It was Mini Vader, Mini Dust. It was Jerry Lawler emptying his joke book like he did tonight. Like, he talked about... I don't know. I mean, he made one joke, I think, about... What do you call one of these guys jumping off the bottom stair of a staircase? And Jim Ross is like, what? And he's like, suicide dive. I mean, just terrible stuff like that. Like, this was just Jerry Lawler emptying his joke book. Now, if you took these guys seriously, built up their characters, gave them characters, gave them promo time, gave background... The Max Mini was the only one that they really, I think, somewhat put a little effort into. And I mean very little, not in a... Joking, making fashion. a pun. Yes. Yeah. No. I, I think at one of these shows, he sat in Jerry Lawler's lap. So even then, even with yeah. even with the best performer out of this bunch, who was they build him as the world's smallest athlete. He was like seventy six pounds or something. Uh, even then, they just they just treated it like a joke. And even though these guys were working fine, the match was fine. Um, I think I had no problems with the match. But this is one instance where the crowd just killed it. I mean, there was just nothing. And then the commentators didn't help. There was just no saving it. It's much like Buff Bagwell and Booker T from that Raw. It's like, there's just no... This is doomed to fail. Nothing. And how can you blame the crowd, though? You paid money to see this pay-per-view, this big four, and you're being treated to basically what would be a dark match, a throwaway segment on Raw. So, the nation has found Austin's locker room. Farouk orders Mark Henry, go in there and kick Austin's ass. But he's not in the dressing room. What is? A foam middle finger. You're the newest member of the nation. You need to earn your keeps, go in there and kick his ass, and get flipped off. It wasn't my idea for you to join the nation, first of all. Now, you got to prove to me you worth being in here. I want you to get in there and kick Steve Austin's ass right now. Go in there and get him. Come on, let's get him. Bro, bring it down. Bro, bring it down. Let's get him. Let's get him. Come on. Where is he, man? Where is he? Where is he? Yeah, he finds a foam middle finger in the room, which they used to sell. Vince and Shane are with Mike Tyson up in the skybox. So, two of the greatest strikers of all time, Mike Tyson and Shane McMahon. Boy, they got deadly punches, those two. I think it's a good thing Vince was up there. I don't know if he was up there the whole night. He was up there at least part of the night, though, which was good because I thought Jim Ross was really, really good this pay-per-view. And it's probably because he didn't have Vince in his ear. Like, he was actually calling some moves during that minis match, like tope and stuff like that. Stuff that, I mean, he was calling moves. I just thought he had a really good night tonight. Yeah. And it's probably because Vince wasn't in his ear saying, Oh, don't, don't say that. You can't say moves, damn it. Just say, what a maneuver. Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> Almost got him. No. I see title match next with Rock taking on Ken Shamrock in the feud that will never end. Good Lord. These guys went at it for a good year and a half. And it did Ken Shamrock no favors because None. he kept losing like this. Shamrock destroyed the nation until they finally beat him down on an episode of Raw. Rock and the nation argued on the free-for-all. Remember those? On the preview channel, they gave you a 30-minute show for free before the pay-per-view. That all ended when Sunday Night Heat took over. And it was all about who will win the Rumble. And The Rock, of course, says he's going to win the Rumble. And all the nation members say they're going to win the Rumble. Then we cut back to a live Rock promo where The Rock makes a Bill Clinton-Paula Jones joke to remind you this is 1998. And then he says the people's champ will win and someone will carry Ken's sorry ass out of this building. 
Obviously, a bit of dissension in the nation of domination, a little argument ensuing in Raqqa. Obviously, dissension within the ranks of the nation. Obviously, according to your comments, you're a complete idiot. But hey, before the Rockets and anything, I know all the Rock's fans want to know exactly how the Rock feels about President Clinton and Paula Jones. Hey, hey, Prez, take some advice from the Rock. When you lay down with a dog, you're going to wake up with fleas. Hey, man, don't be silly. you got to cover it, Willie. Hey, but anyway, the fact of the matter is this. Ken Shamrock, the world's most dangerous man. One-on-one, -on -one, as you can see, The Rock stands alone exactly how you want it and exactly how The Rock likes it. So one-on-one, -on -one, the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock, against the people's champ, the intercontinental champion, The Rock. But don't worry, Ken Shamrock, somebody will be standing by to carry your sorry ass out of the building. Then when The Rock comes out, he cuts a generic promo, which is just that he's the best. Uh... Preliminary stages of rock promo. It was, yeah, it was not what you think a rock promo should be. Yeah, he didn't have all his catchphrases down No, yet. no. Rocky sucks chance as the match starts when Ken Shamrock comes out. And then it takes them forever to lock up as they were just so hesitant uh, about locking up. Finally picks up when Shamrock whips Rock to the ropes and connects with a kick and a clothesline that knocks Rock out of the ring. Rock comes back in the ring and blocks a Hurricane Rana by dropping Shamrock on the ropes. Lots of punching and kicking until Shamrock crossbodies Rock for a near fall. A fisherman suplex from Shamrock for another near fall. Rock takes Shamrock out of the ring and into the steps. They get back in. Rock hits the float over DDT for a near fall. Then locks on a chin lock. The Rock tries another float over DDT, but it gets countered into a suplex. Shamrock just keeps throwing strikes before Rock eye gouges him to stop it, but Shamrock finally lands the Hurricane Rana. Then Kama and D'Lo run out. Toss some brass knucks to Rock. He nails Shamrock with him, but Ken Shamrock is such a badass, he can take brass knucks to the face and kick out at two. <laughs> Rock, though, put the knucks in Shamrock's tights, knowing that he would kick out. What a premonition this guy had. A belly-to-belly -belly from Shamrock. One, two, three. We have a new Intercontinental Champion, Ken Shamrock. But then The Rock says to Mike Kyoto, Hey, he's got something in his dick. And Mike Kyoto says... Oh, really? I better go check that out. He does a post-match inspection and reverses the decision. And Shamrock loses and Rock retains. Patrick Young, Not referee. a chance in hell. Not a chance So you chance don't do post-match in inspections? Fuck no! Oh, okay. The referee didn't see it. It didn't happen. Right. The bell was rang. End of match. Not in the WWE, apparently. Mike Kyoto fucked up. So you wouldn't reverse the decision? There Jeez. has to be one hell of a good reason. And this is not one. Did Kyoto even see the belly-to-belly? -belly? No. Oh, okay. Well, if you saw the belly-to-belly, -belly, I'd be like, well, you saw what I did. I didn't even punch the guy. Yeah. But, God, this frustrated me because we've already reviewed WrestleMania 14, and it's same the same fucking finish. <laughs> Identical. And also, they fuck Shamrock over at DX in your house in December. With the same with a, fucking thing. <laughs> with a fuck finish. Yes. How are you ever going to get this guy over as a badass if you don't let him win clean? <laughs> yeah. And he, he either loses by DQ or he wins by DQ. That doesn't get anybody over. You just need him to be a badass and just go in there and win. And I understand that Rock is your project. You see all the star potential in the Rock. Okay, well... And you're not ready to give up the IC belt on... Well, then Rock just needs to win clean. Yeah. Or cheat to win. And move on. And then move Shamrock on to somebody that he can just beat the shit out of. And elevate him. Which, 
I mean, they moved him to Owen Hart, basically, and that became the feud, and then Blackman, and just all this other stuff, but never got to really feud with top guys after this, really, for Shamrock. I mean, this was... Would end his run in WWE with, like, Jericho's first few matches, and that was it. What 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 bothered me was the fact that he here he is the most serious individual, the most dangerous man. But I mean, really, the most serious, true blue. He's a shoot fighter, yeah. Wrestler on your roster as of right now, in my opinion, at this time. Yeah, before Kurt Angle gets there. You had him job for Rock for almost a year and a half. It's it feels like. To then He's going to be your king of the ring next year. To then move him into a gimmick with his sister. Well, and then be a stooge in the corporation. Yeah. You just never gave him... Wouldn't you think a match with Austin was sort of proper and called for considering WrestleMania 13? See, that's me. That is exactly Eventually. me. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> identical fucking exactly just someday after Brett was gone or hell not even after Brett was gone after Wrestlemania 13 Austin comes out I did not submit yeah Shamrock you you fucked me over you should have waited till I came to so I could have kicked his ass and won cause Austin would have said some shit just like that well, but it was to turn that would have turned Austin into a heel, though, right? He was a heel to begin with that the crowd loved. I know, but that match turned him face, though. So he can't come out on attacking the referee. I guess he could. He was over so it's much not, it didn't matter. But it's not a referee. It's a it's a fighter. It's a wrestler. It's not a referee. It's not Mike well, Kyoto. It's not Mike Kyoto or Earl Hebner. It's not Triple H beating the shit out of Earl Hebner. Well, and that... At the end of that match at 13, though, it's Brett and Shamrock that are about to scrap. Not right. Austin and him. So, Still, though, I mean... There is a connection, though, that you could you could make some connection there. Also that, also, that Shamrock called himself the world's most dangerous man, and that was something Mike Tyson also called himself. So it's like there's a connection there. Not saying you can have Shamrock and Tyson fight. But oh, like, God, no. Does Tyson knock his teeth out? Oh, yeah, but I, I'm just saying, like, there was a way to make him into a top guy. He wasn't that great on the microphone, but like I said, you just get him a mouthpiece and go on. There's a reason Brock Lesnar is a top guy, and it's not because of his promo skills. It's because he's a shoot fighter, and he's dangerous, and so... Everyone knows how I feel about Brock Lesnar. I just don't understand how you don't give Shamrock more of a push. I, I, I've i wondered that for so fucking long. The Los Bariquas are looking for Austin, too. Uh-oh. All these gangs are looking All for him. Them. Unfortunately, they find the wrong bald guy and attack DOA, 8-Ball and Skull, because they're bald, they're white, they have goatees. Hey, you, come with us. We want the world to see this. Come on. I would have made the same mistake too, honestly. Like, I'm looking for a guy in jeans, uh, black, and he's bald, 
I mean, they, these guys could have run into Goldberg, for all I know. They're all, they're all the same looking person. They could have run into Mosh and Thrasher. Uh, they're just looking for bald white guys. <laughs> so, they ran into the wrong guys. The Legion of Doom and New Age Outlaws feud is recapped. And what a feud it's been, as the LOD are just shown getting their ass kicked every single week. Complete with Hawk getting half of his weird split mohawk cut off. His reverse mohawk. Yeah, his reverse mohawk. He lost half of it, which meant that he had to keep that half shaved, because this was a few months ago. <laughs> and so, he had to keep shaving one side of his head. First it's, of all. It's not like his hair isn't goofy enough as it is. First of all, yeah, exactly. He had... I mean, Animal alone had a, you know, a weird-ass crossed mohawk, cross in the back, but yeah. But Hawk had this back asswards mohawk, yeah. or reverse mohawk. They filled in each other's mohawk <laughs> to they make put one, together to make one, one head, full of hair. head of hair. If I'm Hawk, like okay, if I'm animal, I can get away with mohawk to some degree. If I'm Hawk, not a chance in hell am I walking around with my hair like that. But he did. <laughs> he was committed. He was committed. He did. However, I'm not shaving one part of it. And looking like a fucking moron either. Well, but the thing is, I, I just mentioned how many bald guys were on this roster. You add one more. But he does have face paint, though. So Yeah, yeah. And he would have had a little buzz by then coming back. So, yeah, just shave the other part, too. Just, yeah. So he's walking around like an asshole for a few weeks to get ready for this match. To get his ass kicked again. Uh, the champs are out first in Green Bay Packers gear. Uh, as they eliminated the 49ers that year to make the Super Bowl. Even though we get a promo from LOD where it's typical yelling. Hawk says he's going to put him on ice. The Outlaws jump the LOD. Animal power bombs Road Dog, but Billy saves him. The Outlaws regroup, attempt to leave. Hawk shoulder blocks Road Dog, big boots him, causing Road Dog to bust his lip. So, a little bit of color tonight from the New Age Outlaws. Hawk does the Thez press and punches to Billy Gunn. Uh Uh-oh, Stone Cold's going to have a talking to you after the show, Hawk. He slams Billy Gunn by the hair. Pulls him by the hair, ouch. Power slam from Animal to the Outlaws. Road Dog trips Animal, though, and slams him into the steps. Hawk comes in, double clotheslines the Outlaws. Then Road Dog breaks out the handcuffs. Handcuffs Hawk to the post. Referee Patrick Young, or in this case, Jimmy Corderas. What the fuck are you doing, man? (laughs) Can't you see what's going on? If I see a wrestler handcuffed in the middle of a match and it's not part of a stipulation of the match well he's not holding the tag rope that's for sure so he's already in violation of that rule right I'm probably going to call for the bell well that's not what happened here however Hawk would not need that to happen here in the very near future that's true why did he wait so long to to do what he did (laughs) So, Animal is now on his own. He's fucked. Gunn tries something off the top, and Animal nearly necks him with a power slam. I mean, he almost dropped Billy Gunn straight on his head. He covers him, but Road Dog just runs in. Even though they had the 2-to-1 advantage, Road Dog still felt the need to just get a DQ anyway, and hits him with a chair. So, the 2-to-1 advantage, this is how the Legion of Doom agreed a job. Okay, yes, we will job, but by DQ, we will get the win, and... You'll cheat even though you have a two-man advantage. That's the only way these no-sellers would sell a loss. So, Road Dog 
hits him with a chair, and just wails away on his back, which Animal had a storyline bad back anyway. So they were just going to paralyze this guy. But then Hawk summons his inner demons, I guess, and breaks the handcuffs. This man had the strength this whole time to just break the handcuffs. He, but gold, it, he Goldberg that shit. But it took seeing his friend getting beaten down to what? have the energy to do it. See, I, I couldn't do that under normal circumstances, Patrick, but if I saw someone whipping your ass with a chair, I could work up the courage and the energy to break handcuffs. Yes. Or, here's a better idea. He could have just sawed his hand off. <laughs> really prove how much you love me. Saw your hand off and come get it. Hey, listen. If you're getting your ass kicked, okay, and I'm handcuffed to a ring post, Alex... You are my brother, and I love you dearly. But you're getting your ass kicked. You're getting your ass kicked, because I'm not fucking sawing off my hand. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, I'm not either. And I'm not breaking the handcuffs, because I'm too weak to do that. As I just proved the last five minutes. If I was Animal after the match, I'd be like, what the fuck was that, man? You could do that the whole time? <laughs> so, the New Age Outlaws escape with the belts, and of course, LOD still pose after getting their asses kicked. They still pose. They still get the hero shot. Austin's custom Stone Cold Chevy was won by Mildred Bowers of Nashville, Tennessee. King says she's probably going to go through the roof of her trailer. She's so happy. And I found footage that the WWF shot with Kevin Kelly voicing it over, where they found Mildred and they interviewed her after she won it. But right now, congratulations are in order for Grandma Mildred Bowers, winner of the 1998 WWF Royal Rumble Truck Giveaway Sweepstakes. The Stone Cold Steve Austin specially equipped Z71 pickup was hand-delivered to Mrs. Bowers' home last weekend. And it wasn't long before Grandma Bowers was behind the wheel, opening up a can on the normally sedate streets of suburban Nashville. Mildred and her co-pilot wish to thank their favorite WWF superstar, Stone Cold. She's since passed away, though, because she's like a grandma. If your name is Mildred, turns out you're not going to be a young, hip dude. Stone Cold highlights, of course, because this is what it's all about. It's all about Stone Cold Steve Austin. There's really one person that can win this Rumble. Howard Finkel explains the rules of the Rumble. We don't need that part. No, we all know it. Cactus Jack draws number one. Patrick, I think this thing has worked because number two is Chainsaw Charlie. What are what? the fucking odds of that? So these tag team partners... That's just coincidence. ...come out, and Chainsaw... Chainsaw Charlie, Terry Funk, his entrance music, is just chainsaw noises. Well, it's yeah. It's annoying as shit to watch him come out. They bring all the plunder into the ring. This is going to be a hardcore match. Forget the rumble. We are just going to do FMW. We're going to have explosions <laughs> and barbed wire and fuck all this shit. I didn't see that. I just no. saw a trash can, some chairs, and a chainsaw. Yeah, that's true. And the ref removes the chainsaw from the ring. Rather very, quickly. Yeah, that was not going... No one was going to be bumping on the chainsaw. Funk and Foley just brawl with chairs. Chainsaw Charlie begs for a shot to the head. He lifts up his pantyhose. You know, Charlie... Chainsaw Charlie could have just chopped Hulk's hand off. That would have been a lot quicker than him sawing And through. start the rumble. Hawk should have been out there. See? Yeah, and and that's how when it counts down, he could, Hawk could have been number one, and he sawed off his hand and gets in the rumble. See, there you go. <laughs> Chainsaw Charlie begs for a shot to the head with a chair. He asks for another, but Foley says, "No, you give me one instead." So these two idiots start exchanging headshots. He hands him the chair. 
The timer ticks down as Funk teases eliminating Foley, but he doesn't. Tom Brandy is out next and gets tossed immediately. So thank you for coming. See you later. Tom Brandy, who was... Oh, what was his old character name? Salvatore Sincere was his uh, former name. And he had to change it after Mark Merrill called him out on air and said, You're not Salvatore Sincere. You're just Tom Brandy. And you suck. <laughs> and then he was Tom Brandy after that. So he gets tossed out. So Entrant number three didn't have a Ric Flair run here. He went right out. Foley suplexes Funk through two chairs. Ouch. He nearly eliminates Funk with a trash can before Entrant four comes out. And it's the people's champ, The Rock. So maybe there's another another person that can win this thing. Foley hits him in the head with a garbage can. They stuff him in it and wail away at the rock while he's in the garbage can. They knock him out of the ring through the middle rope. Entrant number five is Mosh. Funk chucked a chair at him in, at the entryway and missed by a mile. So it probably hit a fan. So Funk probably got a lawsuit. I really this. thought it was going to, but I don't think it did. No. Although it really looked like it, it was, was really stupid of him to do that. Yes. Funk moonsaults Mosh, but misses most of it. Entrant six is Phineas Godwin, Pig. They brawl until number seven enters, and it's eight ball. Cactus Jack gets low-bridged by Funk and gets eliminated. Your tag team partner. What the fuck, guys? Tag teams could not work together tonight. I know it's every man for themselves. Okay, I get that. But you have to work. You work together until you are the last left, and then you turn on each other. No one can figure this out. It's not rocket science. If me and Patrick are a tag team in the Royal Rumble, we will work together to eliminate everybody until they're all gone. And when, then it's, when 28 other people are gone. <laughs> then we will turn. Yes. But these guys tonight just did not understand that concept, no. especially the Nation of Domination. So Rock nearly eliminates Funk, but he survives again. Entry 8 is Black Jack Bradshaw out in his boots. Entry 9 is Owen Hart, but he gets jumped by Jeff Jarrett and Jim Cornette, who gets a hell of a tennis racket shot in here, and Owen doesn't make it to the ring. Entry 10 is Steve Blackman. D'Lo is entrant 11. D'Lo comes into the ring. Who's he going after first? Oh, I don't know. His partner, The Rock. So they start brawling. Entrant 12 is Kurgan, and he would be getting the cane spot here, basically. Kurgan dumps Mosh out of the rumble. Entrant 13 is Mark Merrow. Kurgan dumps Steve Blackman after Merrill lights him up with right hands. D'Lo and Rock continue to brawl for some reason. They still haven't figured this thing out. Entrant number 14 is Shamrock. Shamrock goes right after Kurgan for some reason, not The Rock, who he should be mad at. Takes him off his feet. The wrestlers team up and dump Kurgan out of the rumble, so no cane run exactly, but the giant spot was given to Kurgan tonight. Bradshaw big boots D'Lo pretty stiffly here, but he stays in the ring. Entrant 15 is Thrasher, so we had the headbangers miss each other here as Mosh was eliminated prior to Thrasher's arrival, so they can't work together. Entrant 16, hold on, we have a rules violation. Mick Foley is back at 16, this time as Mankind. It's not Mick Foley, it's Mankind. You can't come back as different gimmicks. Then Ed Leslie could be an entire Royal Rumble just about. Exactly. Well, then more people should do this. Why haven't? Why hasn't this ever been revisited? I agree. Okay, well, I, I'm glad we're exploiting the rules here. Well, then he could have come back as Mick Foley. As, and then, what was his name? Uh, Jack Foley. He could have come back as Jack Foley. He had a lot of other options here. 
That 22 spot went to waste. For I mean, he could have been a fourth person. That's true. He could have been just Mick Foley. Or what were they going to call him originally in WWF? He should have come out as that. Mason the Mutilator? Yeah, Mason the Mutilator comes out. He goes right after Funk and eliminates him, so he gets revenge. Unfortunately, Terry Funk can't come back as just Terry Funk. You can only be Chainsaw Charlie. Sorry. Sorry, Charlie. Bradshaw hits Mankind with a clothesline from hell. Seventeen is Goldust in a slightly different outfit. Mark Marrow decides to pose during this part of the match for some reason. Goldust manages to eliminate Mankind. Goldust got an elimination over a top guy in this rumble. So he could run back and change, I guess. 18 is Jeff Jarrett with Jim Cornette. Owen Hart, though, runs in and joins the match. He decks Jarrett, hits him with a heel kick, skins the cat, and eliminates Jarrett, who was doing the strut. Number 19 is your pick to win, the Honky Tonk Man. I love Honky. Only his second rumble ever, really, in 98. Triple H and China come out behind him, which I was like, D-Generation X has a new member, and it's the Honky Tonk Man. No, Triple H and China come out behind the Honky Tonk Man to mess with Owen Hart, because that would be the Mania match, you see. China uses a crutch and try to hit Owen, but Owen's smart and grabs it. Unfortunately, Triple H has another crutch and decks Owen with it and eliminates him. So, Owen's run is quick. And by the way, like I've always said, Owen should have been in the main event tonight against Sean, and Taker could have been in the Rumble, or Taker could have been anywhere else. Any other match. I just think after DX pay-per-view, it set up HBK and Owen, and they never did it. Because Shawn Michaels wasn't going to give him the time of day, I guess. So Owen is running up the ramp to chase after Triple H as number 20 Ahmed Johnson comes out, and unfortunately Owen slips on his way, so he goes crashing through the entryway. Rock low-blowed Shamrock and eliminates him, so Rock gets the better of Shamrock, not once, but twice. You're a real MMA fighter. Yes. Looks like a fucking fool tonight. 21 is Mark Henry. Mark Henry throws freedom powder into the eyes of Ahmed Johnson. Ahmed Johnson, who almost joined the nation, so I guess this was payback for some reason. And Mark Henry, who doesn't need freedom powder, by the way, just like John Gonzalez didn't need chloroform, Mark Henry does not need freedom powder, but okay. The timer ticks down. It's time for number 22. And nothing happens, Patrick. Nothing happens. A myth, a unanswered question that will always linger in the history of pro wrestling is who was supposed to be 22 and what happened to them. The commentators try to get over that this must have been Austin's number. He's He's been taken out or he left or whatever. Nope, that was not the case. This was just nothing. So this was a 29-man rumble tonight. The Nation eliminates Ahmed and Phineas Godwin, so they're working together finally. Ahmed smashes Phineas in the head for some reason, and they brawl to the back, setting up a program that nobody wants to see. Ahmed versus Phineas Godwin. What a weird thing here, as Ahmed was also on his way out of the company here at this point. Kama Mustafa, the future godfather, is out at 23. Kama attacks D'Lo, again, the nation, fighting with each other. 24... Glass shatters, it's Stone Cold Steve Austin, everyone in the ring stops fighting and looks at the entryway, but Stone Cold Steve Austin has outsmarted all these geeks and runs in from behind them, and the crowd goes crazy, so 
Mark Merrow is the unfortunate victim of Stone Cold Steve Austin's first elimination as he gets dumped right away. Then 8-Ball. They show Mike Tyson cheering for Stone Cold Steve Austin, which they never should have done had they known the program going into Mania. That looks so bad, uh, knowing what happens going towards WrestleMania. Or maybe not. I don't know. Maybe maybe Shawn Michaels should have been paying more attention. Though he did cross shop for Shawn Michaels, so his allegiance was really split here at the Rumble. 25 is Henry Godwin, Hog. 26 is Savio Vega, but he brings the entire Los Bariquas with him. Because, fuck it, there's no rules. Savio decks his own man, unfortunately. Austin lays Goldust out with a clothesline, then stomps him in the balls. 27 is Farouk, he goes right to the Rock, and then after the rest of the nation. Rock and Austin go through the ropes and brawl around the ring. 28 is Dude Love, Mick Foley's third appearance. Yay! He takes out Bradshaw immediately and eliminates him. Austin whips Goldust into the ring steps, but he went under the ropes. A people's elbow to D'Lo. That's right. And Rock and Austin square off again in the match. 29 is Chains. 30 is Vader. He goes after Goldust. The ring is now packed. Honky Tonk Man gets dumped by Vader. Austin eliminates Thrasher. Kama gets eliminated by Austin. Savio gets thrown out by Austin. Goldust dumps Vader, so he gets his revenge on his loss earlier tonight. Dude Love low bridges Henry Godwin to eliminate him. Chains tosses Goldust. Henry Godwin gets eliminated by Farouk. Four men left. Farouk, Austin, Dude Love, and The Rock. So out of these four, two men can win, probably. Austin and Dude Love team up on the nation. Sweet shin music to rock. Mandible claw to Austin, but Austin low blows the dudester. Farouk eliminates Dude Love. The Rock sits down while Farouk works over Austin and then sneaks up behind Farouk and dumps him out. So some dissension in the nation leadership here as The Rock is taking over. Now it's Austin and The Rock. Big Pop is the two brawl. Austin chucks Rock, but he recovers. Doesn't matter. He walks into a stunner. And The Rock gets tossed over. Austin is going to WrestleMania, and Mike Tyson fucking loves it. Even though he would be (laughs) opposing him in the beginning. What did you think of this Rumble match, Patrick? It was good. I enjoyed it. I did like the spot with Foley. I liked the spot with uh, Chainsaw Charlie doing the crazy shit. And believe it or not, lasting halfway through the damn thing. I enjoyed the fact that there really was a no man, no team type mentality. Because, I mean, as stupid as it is, Mark Henry went straight after The Rock when he jumped right in. So, what the hell, you know? But, at the same time, it's really bad psychology. Oh, yeah. The Nation should have been... It should have been Austin versus The Nation at the end, basically. Because The Nation should have teamed up and just... tossed everybody one after the other... Then you have Rock toss Farouk maybe for some dissension. That distracts the nation. Austin dumps the nation. Wins the match. Still has a brawl with Rock to set up. You know, I mean, they, they had a history at this point already, but yeah. sets up their future program as well. Michael Cole gets to interview Mike Tyson, who says Cold Stone is his man. <laughs> He's, listen, he says it here. He says it at the WrestleMania press conference after WrestleMania 14. How hard is it to get this right? Jay, I'm here with Iron Mike Tyson. What did you think of the Royal Rumble match? What do you think of Stone Cold? Intense, man. Cold Stone is my man. He won. You know, man, I won a fortune. I'm going to celebrate tonight. And no one believed that he could win. I'm just happy, man. What, what about the upcoming championship match between The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels? Your pick. 
That's going to be tough because I've been a great fan of the Undertaker for many years. Shawn Michaels, a young up-and-coming Hungry Tiger, and I'm looking forward to the match, man. All right, that's Iron Mike Tyson back to ringside. And to do a crotch chop properly. He can't do it. Cole asks about the main event tonight between Michaels and The Undertaker, and Mike Tyson can't can't pick, so he doesn't know. We get some HBK and Undertaker highlights. Kane extended his hand to Undertaker, so obviously everything's settled now. Kane has forgiven his brother for trying to murder him back when they were children. Everything's fine. Everything. I know what happened to Hell in a Cell at Bad Blood. Forget that. We're all cool now because we held each other's hands up. Not They didn't shake hands, but they did their poses, so everything's fine. So this gives Undertaker a serious advantage because if he gets in trouble with DX, Kane's going to come out and save him. So this match should be pretty easy. It's going to be pretty simple. Undertaker and Austin at WrestleMania. Can't wait. <laughs> Book it now. Casket match, though, next. Sean is out first with China and Triple H. Not a good sign. Not good luck for the champion to be out first. Would turn out to be very true. Gong, Undertaker is out next. Tyson does the crotch chop for Michaels and does a bad job of it. Michaels throws some quick punches to slow Undertaker down. He runs into a choke from Taker but kicks Undertaker in the midsection to escape. Michaels gets dumped over the ropes and drops his back on the edge of the casket. A a career-shortening move that costs Michaels four years of his career. And he starts walking around like a man with a broken back and grimaces several times uh, throughout this match, but still puts on a pretty decent match for a dude that just broke his back. Yes. And, and sa- same thing at WrestleMania. For a guy working with a broken back, he did pretty good. Dude, he kips up in this match. I mean, <laughs> it's just crazy what he ke- continued to do in this match after this injury. Despite, I think at one point, telling Undertaker, hey dude, I'm fucked. Well, he knew he was hurting but it wasn't till, from what I've read and what Sean has said, it wasn't till three days later when he was on the couch that he couldn't move. And he literally had to be took to the hospital by way of an ambulance uh, to find out then what all had happened. Well, he was probably also so high on various substances that he couldn't feel a fucking thing. So... This guy could be working with broken back, broken neck, broken legs. He's just like a robot at this point. Chewing that fucking gum. Shawn Michaels. 90s Shawn Michaels. What a guy. (laughs) What a fucking guy. So, doesn't bother him. This career shortening, this four-year layoff injury. Michaels has a fine match after this. Doesn't matter. Michaels is then scoop slammed on the ring mats to his bad back. And then gets put in the casket but escapes. Michaels is now walking around like Mr. Perfect did back in that Bret Hart match where he had a bad back. Where you stick your arms behind your butt and you walk around. That's how Michaels walks around for the rest of this match. Yeah. Undertaker does old school. Michaels does his flip over the buckle spot. Takes out the cameraman again. Jesus. Shawn Michaels versus cameramen. This was the real feud of Shawn Michaels' career with Shawn Michaels taking out cameramen either on purpose or accidentally. Shawn Michaels fucking hates cameramen. Do not be a cameraman near a Shawn Michaels match. You are going down, buddy. Which is funny because in their WrestleMania 25 match, he actually uses a cameraman. <laughs> he shoves the cameraman into to catch Undertaker. 
which didn't catch well he's yeah he's not he wasn't a real cameraman and he didn't catch undertaker but he still used a cameraman so this is a spot that Shawn michaels just loves his cameraman he tries something off the top rope but gets power slammed by taker and while he's on the ground i think this is where he tells undertaker that he's hurting pretty bad taker rolls sean towards the casket but sean keeps the hand outside of it to keep it from closing which i thought taker just kick his fucking hand kick his hand what are you doing whatever sean found some of that mark henry freedom powder in the casket which why this casket wasn't inspected by the referees beforehand i don't know freedom powder to undertaker and he's blinded Taker wants a choke slam, but Sean escapes on the ropes and moonsaults onto him, the man with a bad back doing a moonsault. Sean takes Taker out of the ring, but gets thrown into the guardrail for his trouble. Taker gets his knees thrown into the steps, which is why Taker has such shitty knees. Michaels uses the steps as weapons and grimaces in pain as he has to lift these steps over his head. Because his back fucking hurts. Michaels pile drives the Undertaker on the steps. This was insane, and I would not have volunteered to take this maneuver. No. Being a guy much taller than Shawn Michaels and being on metal steps. And also, the guy doing it, oh, he just broke his back. Yeah, I'm taking that, sure. Triple H chokes Taker with the crutch and assaults him with it. Why didn't his crutch get taken away, by the way? Michaels joins in with the chair. Reverse elbow, and Michaels tries to roll Taker to the casket. Taker brawls out of it, a swinging neckbreaker to Undertaker from Sean to slow him down. Then Sean goes to the chin lock. But Taker hulks up. Sean hits his flying forearm, kips up, hits his signature elbow, tunes up the band, connects. This one's easy now, you just gotta roll the dead man to the casket. He rolls him in there, but then instead of just closing the lid, Sean Michaels has to be Sean Michaels. And he poses over Taker on the casket with it still open and crotch chops him, which allows Taker to grab him by the balls and throw him into the ring <laughs> by the balls. <laughs> then Sean takes a big backdrop from Taker, a big boot. Taker misses his leaping clothesline and ends up in the casket, which sucks because he ended up there by himself. Sean drops an elbow to Taker in the casket, which didn't look too good. And Earl closes it on top of both men. What was Earl thinking here? That's not the rules of the match. Taker and Sean brawl in the casket with it closed, and they both escape. Choke slam to Sean, who super sells this choke slam for Taker. I mean, it looked like Taker lifted him nine feet in the air. Taker does a leaping tombstone to Sean into the casket. This one is fucking over. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for Undertaker and Steve Austin at WrestleMania. But no, before he can close the lid... Not DX, because the only other member of DX is hurt. Can't interfere. So, they send out the Geeks, the Los Periquas, the New Age Outlaws, all those vicious gangsters team up on Undertaker. But the lights go out. Thank goodness. Kane is here. He destroys the Geeks. Triple H and China remove Sean from the casket. Kane saved Taker. They stare at each other. It looks like they're about to kiss. But then, Kane decks him choke slam to take her in the casket sean slams the lid shut and wins the match even though the bell never rings then kane rolls taker in the casket over the trap door at the top of the stage kane then uses an axe to smash the top of the casket to apparently either kill the undertaker and in shoot to actually make sure that he's not in there when he lights this thing on fire it takes him forever to chop this casket up which they could have done this a better way or just had a radio have someone radio Paul Bearer that says, I'm clear, or something. 
So it takes him forever, which allows Taker to make his escape and also provide visual proof that he is gone and safe. So after Kane drops the axe into the casket, which is also kind of unbelievable because wouldn't Undertaker just shove the, the axe back out of the casket? Mm-hmm. Kane, so how did... Proceed. Sorry. Oh, there was just a trap door. To where? Just under the ramp. Well, but see, the floor... The floor raises enough to where when you pull it over, it's it's black. It's a lot like how they do... It's a magic trick, basically. It's like, he just drops down... There's probably some stagehands down there to... Just, I don't know, a cubby hole or... Maybe it was just a hole. Maybe he just sat in a hole. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like they were using real gasoline in any way. It was it was alcohol, so it could burn off quick. So rather not, quickly, yeah. Yeah, so Yeah, just a trap door. Um But Taker once again murdered. This man has been murdered in <laughs> WWF many times as Kane soaks the casket in gasoline in quotation marks. Paul Bear takes an entire sleeve of matches. Now, what would have been hilarious, though, is if when Kane went to throw the matches, they, they went, went out. out. Yeah. That That's was, the first thing I thought about. Like, wouldn't it have been better to do, like, a Zippo or some something you know? I mean... Or one of those damn long extended... Oh, yeah, uh, just a torch. Well, the long extend... Oh, torch would have been awesome. But the long extended lighters that you use for, like, grills. Oh, yeah. Boom, there you go. I guess they wanted the visual. It did look look. It looked awesome. It worked. And also, I'm gonna. I'm willing to bet though that it was actually ignited by something other than the matches. So even if the matches went out, you wouldn't know because they probably had a button to to light it anyway. So, but the visual was cool. the The idea that the matches actually started it is really cool. If, if I agree. Um. But yeah, it would have been hilarious if it just went out and they didn't have a backup or another. It wasn't a li- and then Paul Bear would be like, "Does it? Does anyone have some matches? Ooh, <laughs> does anyone have a lighter?" <laughs> He'd have to go. I don't know. Ask. Oh, the big show wasn't there. I'm trying to think of a wrestler that smokes. They could go get him a lighter. So there you go. They set the casket on fire and. The footage the next night on Raw and on the VHS tape shows that when they put the fire out, Patrick, the Undertaker, he disintegrated. He burnt so much, he was gone. So, the Undertaker, never to be seen again until a few weeks later when he was seen again. That was a month or two. Week before WrestleMania, I guess, when he was actually walked out. He walked through the lightning. Oh, the whole Kane, the introduction of Kane and the whole angle between them, I thought was really cool. That year and a half, it was about, it was, year and a half to two year run that they did. It was a long build. It, it was, was a, really cool. Yeah, uh, Undertaker burnt Paul Bear's face off uh, originally when Paul Bear brought up the idea of Kane. 
And that's when Paul Bear also stopped wearing the white makeup. Which yeah. I thought that was a good way to sell the injuries from the fire. They did the fire spot a lot better than Hogan and Warrior, by the way. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, anybody can do better than Hogan and Warrior, but... And then, yeah, the the debut of Kane at Hell in a Cell was done very well. But then he got beat at WrestleMania. And the first of many missteps in the Kane character. But it preserved the streak, so you got something good ultimately out of Kane's sacrifice. And he got he got way more mileage out of the Kane character than I would have ever thought. I thought I mean the Kane character to me has been out of gas, no pun intended, for many, many years. And he's still showing up on WWE TV today. And the mayor of Knox County. Yes. So, so you can't say things have gone just fine for Glenn Jacobs. So Patrick Royal Rumble 1998. Your thoughts on the pay-per-view overall? It was it was very unique. Obviously, Sean's injury, Austin's second Rumble win. That's about it. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, I I I enjoyed it. It's a very easy watch. Very easy watch. Well, yeah, I mean the Rumble takes up an hour of it, and Rumble matches I can always pretty much sit through no matter what. Uh, without much complaint. The other matches were pretty short, no pun intended, for the minis match. Uh, <laughs> I liked the Vader Gold Dust match. I actually thought that was a pretty good match, even though it was really over nothing. I hated the Rock Ken Shamrock match. And the LOD just getting beat down by the New Age Outlaws. Okay, we get it. Okay, we get it, guys. Jesus. I mean, yeah, they suck. Okay, we get it. Thank you. But it's not like they had another... They didn't have many tag team options for the New Age Outlaws to face that were good guys. Because like I said, everyone, pretty much everyone was a heel. I mean, it's hard to find good guy tag teams. Do you really want to see New Age Outlaws and the Headbangers? No. So, and the Shawn Michaels-Undertaker match, nothing like their Hell in a Cell match, but and nothing like the WrestleMania 25 match. Uh, not their best match. <laughs> Just not their best work. No. But Shawn was injured... And it was a gimmick match where the match the match was all about the outcome of the match and the post-match. So anything they did, they were going to do half-assed during the match. And So even if Sean didn't get injured, it's not like he was going to go full speed ahead because he was looking ahead to WrestleMania and uh, didn't have time for these shenanigans. And you need to get back and pop some pills. On our rating scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, Royal Rumble 1998... Kurgan, that's a pretty high rating. I am going to give it a Sunny. Tammy Lensich. Because she was on the show. And didn't think, didn't, outside of the Rumble match, even the Rumble match, Rumble match had way too many jobber guys, tag team guys, guys that you don't think can win. The whole point of this thing is to stack it with people that you think might be able to win. And... There were two people, <laughs> approximately two, that you think could win this thing. And the other people that maybe had a shot didn't last long enough for you to even believe it. Like, okay, maybe maybe Owen pulls this out somehow. No. Okay, maybe Ken Shamrock. No. They were dumped very quickly. So, Vader, 30. No. No, no, no. Yeah, so that's, that's a big problem. So I'm going to give this a Sunny. Even though... 
my review of it was not very sunny. <laughs> All right. Well, Patrick, it's... Patrick, even though this Royal Rumble wasn't, I wouldn't say very... This, this Rumble wasn't bad, Patrick, but it wasn't really good either. So my pick this week for our next review, I want us to watch something that is truly, truly bad. And that is why we are going to WCW Halloween Havoc 1999. One of the worst pay-per-views, I think, in the history. This is Hogan Warrior? No, this, my friends, is Hogan Sting. You think. It's the first Russo-booked WCW pay-per-view. They literally came on the scene like two weeks before this. So that tells you all you need to know. Because instead of Patrick letting the people who had been booking the show, I think Nash had been booking, some other people had been the committee, instead of just letting them finish out and, and then let Russo take over at the next pay-per-view, these geniuses at Time Warner, Turner, said, You know what, Vince? You're starting on Monday. I know the pay-per-view's on Sunday. You get to book it, pal. And boy, did he ever book it. He hit the high notes. You're going to love it, Patrick. Actually, you're going to hate it. And you're going to hate me for picking it. Because it's probably almost three hours long. And it's awful. So... Uh, that is where we're going. I know it's February, and it really has nothing to do with February. It's a Halloween Havoc, but it's a really bad pay-per-view, and I'm a glutton for punishment. I need something really bad to watch. So there you go. You're welcome, Patrick. I'm looking forward to it, actually. I want to see how this whole thing goes down. So I'm, I'm actually excited. Well, that'll do it for this week. You can go to powerslam.tv, use the promo code Retro Wrestling, and get a month for free. And also check out, and also check out the Wrestling Figure Retrospective 1990 through 1994. It's the unofficial look at pro wrestling action figures from WWF from Hasbro from that era. So there you go. Check it out. Get it at wrestlingsuperstore.net there wrestling figure retrospective they're a follower of ours and they just wanted to promote their book so well that'll do it for this week i'm intern alex the greatest referee in professional wrestling history patrick young saying as always my clothesline's a clothesline and bingo bango i hit bingo boom roll over and got up here finish the match at the time, I didn't think it was serious at all. We then go to TV the next day, took the red eye home, woke up at you know, 2 in the afternoon or whatever, and I just couldn't move. I was frozen in my bed with just the most excruciating pain you know, that, I, that I'd ever felt. That's when I met Dr. Vasquez, and uh, you know, he came in and told me, hey, you got a disc, it's just torn up back there. No. So, no. I had to call the office with more, with more good news. There's only so many slams, so much physicality that the body can endure. And I thought honestly that because Sean had, had abused his body by being the daredevil that he was, you know, night after night, match after match, multiple times in matches, maybe his number had been called. Sean has had his share of injuries, and I thought when he hurt his back, I thought that was it. By that time, I knew like, we're going to WrestleMania, I'm working with Steve, we're going with Steve, I, you know, I gotta, I gotta get there. My words were, I'll get you to WrestleMania. So, but after that, 
you know, they're telling me I'm, I'm done and I have to look at it that way. And I was spent at that point anyway. His back was really becoming an issue, but the biggest issue was his personal problems, his, his drug problems. Sean was one who felt a great deal of pressure, more than was actually there. And the pressure definitely got to Sean. And when that happens, sometimes you don't make the most rational decisions. The World Wrestling Federation is bringing you the greatest event in sports entertainment history. Sean got hit in the head with a battery, and Sean left. We really didn't know what to do. Sean was not in the right frame of mind, I don't think, that day. Uh, and when he walked off, I yes, I was upset because there's an audience there. You never, ever walk out on your audience. I felt that Sean endangered himself a great deal more by coming back without any security, without anyone knowing that he was coming back into the ring to get back involved with Mike Tyson and Stone Cold and everybody. At that point in Shawn Michaels' life, he wasn't a very happy person. His personal life was crumbling. Uh, his professional life was crumbling even though he was at the top of his game. Sean's state of mind was uh, in, a, in a state of flux, shall we say. Sean had a bad back problem. His lower back was real, really bad. And, you know, Sean really didn't want to get rid of that belt at all to anybody. Shawn Michael was with a doctor for three days prior to death with him constantly working on his back. And he was really in pain. But he really wanted to have that match no matter what. If you would have to crawl to the ring, he would have done it. Probably the saddest and uh, most difficult experience we ever had related to his wrestling was the match in Boston. Because we knew he was in very bad shape then. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only five. $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. The early 1990s was a great time to be a child. Remember the feeling when you were young, running through the aisle of your local toy store, or wishing for that present under the tree? That feeling is no longer in the past with the unofficial wrestling figure retrospective. It was a period of change for the WWF and also for the figures back when everyone was a superstar and became names you'd remember almost 30 years later. So read the book before it pins you one, two, three.